and welcome to Map Bites, episode 54. I'm Elaine Charles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, designer tech, kit disasters and free software reviewed. Yes, we're resting your wallets this week after an expensive few weeks. But first, worldwide shock last episode when we attempted a somewhat stealthy release late on a Sunday night. But there's no getting anything past the eagle-eyed MacBiters who spotted it within seconds. In fact, so soon, I think the MP3 was still uploading. Now, who'd have thought that could cause problems? But yes, we heard from Strategy Oracle on Twitter who proclaimed, what have you done? Now I'm two episodes behind. I never thought I'd hear the day. And that's not good for somebody who tweeted recently that he was declaring podcast bankruptcy. What? Oh, no, mm. no, no. MacBytes has got to be exempt from that. It, it's little and mm, not often. Often. Well, no, um, <laughs> it's it's little and not quite so often, but, but never mind that. <laughs> it's not little, judging by the um, length of no, the No, 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 don't go there, please. <laughs> right, no. And we heard from Minster and Steve, who were... Pondering a more frequent schedule, well, you never know, guys. Obviously, there's been a slight hiatus, but all will be revealed shortly. But let's catch up. Yes, well, first of all, we heard from Jane, who confirms that Clocks is now indeed available in the Australian Mac App Store at $199 Australian dollars. So thank you very much for checking that, Jane. We also heard from the folks who make the wonderful Clocks, the folks from Studio Dalton, um, who are thrilled with the review and the fact probably that you've been buying en masse. So many people have said that the, the, they had a fit they had a need for that feature i know i have a need for that i don't know if you're using it yet though are you i'm not using it <gasps> no crime crime you're obviously not working cross time zone i have two time zones <laughs> but um yes this, this buying on mass sincere apologies for placing such awesome tech temptation in your collective paths what can i uh, say you don't mean you don't mean that do you not in the slightest no such thing as too much tech temptation also from Jane, she said a great review on TuneIn Radio. We use this app every day. We have an old iPhone 3G docked in a set of Logitech speakers, which then streams various overseas radio stations. Works very well. Just don't tell anyone that the favourite streaming radio is gold radio music from the 60s, 70s and 80s. Oops, did I say that out loud? It sounds pretty much like my playlist. Now, my old 3G is pretty much an MP3 player too. I haven't got it docked because I like to, to keep it mobile and portable. And as for your choice of music, it could be worse. It could be the MacBite Gumbay Dance Band. Oh, have they renamed? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. There, there could be a stampede if, if they reformed and, and did a quick concert. Seriously, yeah, 60s, 70s and 80s, it's my kind of music as well. Me too, me too. Also, Pop Clip, yes, still popular too. Gav on Twitter saying how much he loves it as well. And I also got DMs from Ellie, David and Graham who are saying that they've bought it and they're loving it as well. Um, in fact, I had, a, I had the misfortune of using a machine that didn't have it installed this week and I was pretty lost. I thought this, this using keyboard shortcuts for copy-paste is so yesterday. <laughs> You're always the same you, aren't you, when you go to a machine that doesn't have stuff on? Oh, when I go to my father's, literally the only thing that's on there that is any use at all to me is the free version of Alfred. Because he used to have um, Quicksilver, Quicksilver, because that was free. Um, I didn't put Launch Bar on there because it needs licensing. 
and he doesn't use it. It's only me that uses it. So uh, he, he's blissfully unaware of the fact that anything is there at all. So uh, we then tried that Google thing, which, oh, guess what? They killed. Don't get to me going early doors. Um, that desktop thing. Do you remember we did a review of it? I think you, yeah, you installed Google it. Something. Desktop something. And it's irrelevant because it's dead. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a surprise. So um, I had to take that off. And uh, then I put the free version of Alfred on. And um, yes, it's, it's very good. But the rest of the, the machine, it's like, it's like a Windows machine. <laughs> Or it feels like it. It slows me down something terrible. So, yes, I do like my, my little utilities. I do. So I am the same on a Windows machine when I try and do things that are Mac only. But uh, let's not go there. It's a different story. Um, a quote from Dan A. He said, I heard the podcast and thought you'd like this. It's a retweet from Mike Foley. And he overheard, I'm the security guy and we put the no in innovation. Oh, he must work at your company. Unless yes, they're all exactly. the same. Mm. Mm. from my experience they are all the same aren't they they are it goes back we, we've been saying that for years haven't we that's the, that's the point of an it department to stop you doing your work i found that right right back from my very first job but then right back to my very first job i've always had better kit at home so i find working somewhere incredibly stressful don't we know it yes now I, I mean back to if they had a manual typewriter i had an electric one Yes, it was very, very, very awkward, very sad. This is why I can't work for anybody. Uh, anyway, yes, we also heard from Andy with a seemingly simple question. Very, very simple. Does your magic mouse leave black marks? So I thought, hmm, bit of research required. Um, and when I say black marks, I mean black marks on the desk. So I'd started doing some research and... The first link I found was about batteries. Really? That's a surprise. <laughs> it is, isn't it? No, seriously, you read that that um, piece, didn't you? I did read that piece, and the first thing that jumped out at me was this person was saying they put their batteries in their mouse, and it lasted all of four or five months. Months? <laughs> yes, months. <laughs> That's criminal. If I get five days out of a set of, of normal batteries, you know, like you go to the supermarket, you just pick up some batteries. I wasn't getting days out of them, never mind five months. Yes, and they, they were rather upset, weren't they? Mm. Mm, they need to come and work with me for a week. Oh, they'd never recover. Anyway, yes, mice, black marks, magic mouse. Well, it's actually taken me a long, long time to get to a place where... I've got a mouse that actually works as I would expect it to. I never thought I'd say, but I was probably spoiled with um, a Microsoft. What was that? It was an IntelliMouse. IntelliMouse, yeah. I remember paying about £60 for that about 16 years ago. I was robbed. But it was a good mouse. It was a very good mouse. So when I moved to the Mac, I, I hated the mice. I didn't. I think it was just I actually liked the, the Microsoft mouse. So I, I didn't want to admit that the Microsoft mouse, I didn't want to put the Microsoft mouse on the Mac. This was the problem. So I, I did all sorts to try and get the Mighty Mouse at the time to work properly. And it was horrible. It was jumping all over the place. And I tracked it down to being, it didn't like fabric mouse mats. It didn't like the grain on the desktop. It didn't like patterns. I just thought it was incredibly picky piece of kit. At first, I thought mine was broken, but at the Mac group, people were saying the same. And when I went into the Apple store for one-to-one, -one, they don't have mouse mats there. You just use the mouse on, on like the wooden tops that they have. And of course, the grain's going right to left on those wooden tops. And I'm trying to move the mouse up and down and it, it was jumping all over. So I said, this is just like mine. And the guy said, oh yeah, yeah, they're really, really picky. So, you know, just put some paper underneath it. 
I thought, this is ridiculous. So, but at least I knew it wasn't just me. So what I did then was I thought, well, I'm going to need a better mouse mat. I don't want to use it on the desk. So I looked around, I, I tried a few. I thought, I'm not having fabric because I just, even just the grain on the fabric upset it. So I settled on a fellow's mouse mat. Now they came in two varieties. There was a smooth one and one that was very rough indeed. It, it actually felt like sandpaper. Now I got the smooth one and it was great for about four months. And then the mouse started jumping again. So I thought, well, I'll clean it. And when I cleaned it, it was okay for a day. And then it started sort of jumping again. And I thought, what is the matter with this? It was driving me mad. I put it down to the fact it just had worn too smooth because when I replaced this mouse mat with another one, identical mouse mat, just new, it was absolutely fine. So again, that one lasted about four to five months. So I decided maybe I should try the one with a rougher surface on the basis that it wouldn't, it would take longer to wear that smooth. But on the rough surface, um, you, you really, this is just ludicrous. It was so rough, it was like sandpaper. And actually, after about a week of using it, I noticed that there was like a mark where you would move the mouse and it was wearing the mighty mouse away. It was creating a white dust. So when I picked the mighty mouse up and turned it over, literally it was wearing it away. There was all scratch marks around the edge. So I was having terrible, terrible problems with my mouse. Reminds me about the story of a, a guy at work who had a sticking mouse and uh, we did everything. We changed the mouse, we changed the drivers, and then you suggested changing the mouse mat. And I thought, you know, changing the mouse mat, I, I just looked at you and thought, well, yes, I won't yes. say what I thought. Yes, exactly. You, you were dissing me before you'd even tried it. It did, however, solve the problem. I thought it would. Mm. Yeah, people don't think about mouse mats. I mean, I know you just had a fairly cheap thing and um, you used that for years and had no problems. But I think it was the fact that the top of it was a sort of plastic and it just happened that, you know, it had no grain on it. It didn't wear that smooth. So you were OK with, with a sort of relatively cheap and cheerful thing. I think you're just a mouse power user. <laughs> mm, I, I refuse to be drawn. Anyway, back to Andy's original question. Yes, black plastic runners on the base of the Magic Mouse are responsible for these black marks, but it's actually hard to tell whether it does leave them if you're using a mouse mat and it happens to be a dark colour. Um, I, I have a particular mouse mat that is my primary mouse mat. That's what, what I use on my main machine. Obviously, I've got more than one machine and on the other machines, I do use a fabric one, but it's a gamer mouse mat and it's actually really useful because it's quite large. Uh, apparently, gamers need more space. Who knew? I don't play games. You could probably cut this thing in half and get two out of it. And it was about £5, so it was relatively inexpensive as well, because these fellows mouse mats are about £17. Not cheap for a mouse mat, especially not the way I go through them. But the fabric ones are very, very smooth and they're supposed to be, give you more precision for gamers. So I found that useful. The most useful feature of it for me was it's so thin and yet it's heavy enough. The fabric is, it's got sort of a rubber back on it so it doesn't skate across the desk. That used to drive me mad with that one of yours. It was far too light. It used to move. As you moved the mouse, it moved the mat. So this fabric gaming mat does work very, very well. I, I could actually recommend those. For me, though, the fabric, it, the way it works, it actually comes shipped in a tube. You can actually just pick it up, wrap it up. You can actually fold it in four if you want and put it in a back pocket. So I actually carry that around with me. So I take my own mouse mat with me. 
But my primary one on my mouse mat, it's white. So because I'm using this magic mouse, when it starts leaving a trail, you can absolutely see it. And yes, it does leave black trails. Um, but for me, it's less of a problem than all the others because I, I've now got the perfect mouse mat uh, and I can get rid of any marks on it. Now, uh, I looked this up so, so I could put a link in the show notes and um, the title of it, yeah, probably best to use the link in the show notes rather than Google because this is its full title. It's a just mobile Alupad, aluminium surface pad for Apple Magic Mouse. <laughs> yes, it's quite a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know who gave it that moniker. I think it really just needs to be an Alupad. Maybe if you if you Googled Alupad, you'd find it. But I will put a, a link in the show notes so you can actually see this thing. Yeah, I'm having a look at it now. Oh, dear. How much? Ah, whoops. <clears throat> Managed to keep that quiet mm, just over a year. Andy, you're causing domestic strife at MacBytes HQ. Yes, why don't you tell the listeners how much it is? Um, The last time I checked, it was... um. <clears throat> £32. £32.94 to be precise. Oh, it's gone up 94 pence. <laughs> I bought one for 60p last week. Yes. I suppose yours is the Jimmy Choo of Mouse Mats then. Oh? You really haven't got a clue about designer shoes, have you? I prefer to call it blissful ignorance myself. But anyway, back to said Mouse Mat. Um, I only get marks on it when there's trapped dirt or the runners are wearing and they do wear and that gives you a kind of gritty feel but you can um, clean it you can clean the mouse it does seem to solve the problem although it probably will come back in about a week what I decided to do was because I'd seen this on the MX Revolution that you can buy replacement parts so this was when I decided I'd start researching replacement runners but I couldn't find any but what I did find was the um, Jimmy Watsit of mouse attire. You couldn't make this up. Yes, mouse slippers. I know. Uh, it's from a company called Flyders. Flyders are uniquely designed pads that are fixed to the bottom of your optical mouse to reduce the friction felt when moving it. Obviously, I didn't write this. You're guessing that, aren't you? I am. The soft yet durable material protects both your mouse and the surface beneath it. With Flyders, you get a smoother, quieter user experience. <laughs> I did think it was a joke initially, but no, apparently not. Uh, you can buy these things. They are $9.95 for the Magic Mouse, but they also support a range of other mice as well, including the MX Revolution. So it's at flyders.com. Now, how I actually found them was on eBay. I figured the best place to start looking for replacement parts was eBay. Um, now, the thing with these, if you're going to use them, you are going to need a very smooth surface which rules out fabric mats to start with. So my gamer mat, I don't think it would work well. It needs to be very, very smooth. But if, like Andy, it sounds like Andy's just got it on a desk and not a mouse mat, then I think these things would actually be great for desks. Now, obviously, I've not had the time to do the full research on this and buy a set. Good. Yes, Mickey's rather concerned. <laughs> <clears throat> but what so I, is my credit card. Mm, what I did decide to do was um, test out a more cost-effective solution. I thought I'd try this first. Scotch magic tape. Yes, it's fiddly to get it the right size. But wow, what a difference. Tell me you're making this all up, are you? Uh, absolutely not. This is all true. And now Mickey the MacBytes Magic Mouse is wearing little Scotch tape shoes. <laughs> Well, whilst I'm recovering from the price of the mouse mat, I think a swift review is called for. What of the Scotch magic tape? No. 
<clears throat> the somewhat um, expensive mouse match, you mean? Yes. Get on with it. Yes, but you see, you might have spent a fortune for the mouse match, but, but the little runners were very cheap. And he did make a huge difference. Yes, my, my Alupad, it's uh, reasonable, reasonably sized. It's about 10 inches by 8. And what it is, it's a solid aluminium plate. You know, you do realise we should be saying aluminium, don't you? I do. Yeah, it's aluminium. Right. So it's a solid plate. It's quite heavy. And wrapped round that solid plate, there's a thick wrapper of heavy-duty plastic. It's probably around an eighth of an inch thick. When it first arrived, there was like a very faint leather-like pattern on this plastic. But that was only there when it was new. Uh, as soon as you start using it, it wears to a very, very smooth, glidey surface. It, it's so smooth now. So, somebody's obviously overusing it. Um, it's so smooth now, it actually feels like glass. It is very, very well made and it's very solid. No, oh, thank you for that, Maya. I thought he'd be more interested in cats than mice, but obviously not. Um, yeah, anyway, yes, it's heavy enough not to move when you're using it. That really bothers me, but obviously you don't care about that. No. No, it bothers me. I don't like my mouse mats skating across the desk. So it's actually heavy enough not to move, but also underneath it, it has quite sturdy rubber feet. It doesn't raise it off the desk too much, though because then, then it wouldn't feel right. But I also use a fellow's wrist rest with it. Now, I've had that about 12 months as well. It's like a gel thing. And the old mouse mat I used to use, that had an integrated wrist rest on it. So I went for a separate one because I didn't want to do without that. But that's lasted very well as well. I do find with that that the base of it is... I wouldn't say that was rubber. You've seen it. What would you say? It is kind of plasticky it's plasticky but when you put your finger on it and kind of push then it feels rubbery then it does feel rubbery now the thing i found with that is after you've used it for about six to eight weeks that does start to move across the desk but what you can do with it is literally just rinse it under the tap and it's really strange or you could use a baby wipe or something uh, not a tissue though that, that doesn't work well but literally it it what it gets rid of it's, not, it's like dust or fluff or something but it just stops sticking on the desk so then it starts moving but you wash it and it comes back as good as new so I don't actually know what it, it's got a rubber feel to it let's say that but it, I wouldn't say it was rubber but it works well if you let it dry and then put it back on the desk then that doesn't skate around either and the thing with this mouse mat is it is supposedly you know it matches the keyboard it, it matches the aluminium iMac perfectly so it's a matching set. Mm. Oh, my God. Now you're talking twin sets. Only of the tech kind. Big question is, is it worth the money? Um, I'd, I'd considered opinion, I'd say yes. I mean, it's lasted longer than the Mac, but that's a different story. I was paying about 15 to 17 pounds for each fellow's mouse mat. Um, and really, they would have lasted well, but for the fact that Apple mice are very, very picky. I mean, I take the old fellows ones, I just put them in my bag and, and I can use them with other mice. It's just the Apple ones that aren't very happy with it. I'd say I get between four to six months out of them. So for 15 to 17 pounds, I worked out 32 pounds if it lasts 12 months, 
then I'm, I'm breaking even. It's lasted 12 months so far, and, and to be honest, it looks like it's indestructible. I probably shouldn't say that, should I? Probably, probably dead by this time <laughs> next week. But it does look indestructible. I'd expect actually a good few years out of it yet. I actually clean mine with um, isopropyl alcohol, which is we have lying around for cleaning DVDs and stuff. And it's actually sturdy enough to take it. In fact, to be honest, you could probably do it with a wire brush and still be fine. Um, you know these things where, you know, will it blend? There's yeah. another one, isn't it? Will it dishwasher? <laughs> I think it would. I seriously think it would. Let's um, not try it. No, no. I, well, dishwasher. Do we have yeah. a dishwasher? I thought you were the dishwasher. It's me. Oh, oh good. I thought, I thought so. I didn't. I didn't think we had a white one. That's the fridge, isn't it? That's. Yeah. How right. would you know? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't take me there. No, it's too painful. So I think it. I think it is worth it. Um, I think it's one of those things that you that you buy and then I. I don't want to think about it again because the thing is you go out you've got a mouse mat it's brilliant works really well it wears out you go out to replace it to buy exactly the same thing and nine times out of ten we don't make that one anymore but we have got this one with pretty pink flowers on it and then I go mad so I've bought one I'm happy with it it's sturdy it's indestructible I don't have to think about it again and that's how I like it so I'd say it is worth the money I wonder who I can tempt with it shall I try McJim why not? Mm. Mm. Yes, I'm, I'm thinking that. Hold on to your wallet, McJim. Yes, and also this week, um, Pixelmator. Pixelmator 2 news. Ready in a few weeks. Oh, I was so looking forward to that in the summer. But uh, a few weeks, so I don't suppose a few more weeks will kill me. Obviously, it might. It's new software. Mm. You picked up this story early on, and when I actually looked at the link, there was actually about 70-odd comments on it. it was, I think it was on their blog. There was no comments at all when I looked at it. And the, f the first one that I saw was exclusive OS X Lion support, which caused a bit of a kerfuffle, because it was as if it's another app that's dropping support for Snow Leopard. Although they came back and they said that Snow Leopard is fully supported, but Lion is recommended since some of the awesome new features are Lion only. That, that reminds me of Evernote, where they put out um, a new version and it has sort of Lion only features in it. There's a bar on it or something, some kind of favourites bar. Um, and the icons are ghostly grey. Okay. Lovely. Yes, that's lovely. But they are they have put stuff in there that is lion only and obviously things like full screen are lion only as well. So to be expected, I think. Yeah, another comment was there's no CMYK support. We think the future. We think CMYK has no future. That caused more kerfuffle. Although I don't think the original version had CMYK support anyway. It was probably one of the things that people wanted, though. CMYK, for those who don't know, is usually used for print output, whereas RGB is used for screen output. Um, I must admit, I, I don't use CMYK often. I would only use that if it was for printed output. It does make a difference, but then... If you had to, you can't put all the features of Photoshop in Pixelmator because then it would be Photoshop. And Photoshop has features that, I mean, I've read things about Pixelmator where people say it does everything that Photoshop does and, and it's faster and it's this and it's that and it's got better interface and, and, and. You know, if you think that Pixelmator is Photoshop, then you don't know Photoshop. It's as simple as that. You probably know 20% of Photoshop, the 20% that's really important to you. But Photoshop is an incredibly, incredibly broad-ranging package that can handle all sorts of things that maybe only 1% or less of the users need. Do you remember that demo we saw a couple of years back um, about medical imaging? 
Yeah. There were special dedicated medical imaging features in there and they were amazing. And you're looking at it thinking, I don't think I'd even have an x-ray to try using some of these things on. But it was amazing to see what it could do. So Photoshop's one of these things that has these features in it. You know, there's no compulsion to use them if you don't need it. And probably most people don't need it. They've made that decision. But because it's built up this reputation around Pixelmator that oh, it's Photoshop without, without the price tag and the Adobe label on it, then people come to it who do need CMYK and then say, well, why is it not there? It's not there because it's not appropriate for that package. It's a bit like fireworks. I love fireworks. Fireworks is a brilliant graphics package, but it was built from the ground up for web graphics. The first few versions of it didn't even have a print function at all. You could not print from it because it was for web graphics. It had fantastic export features for web graphics, but no print. So horses for courses. But I think what's happened is people are thinking that Photoshop and Pixelmator can be used interchangeably. And maybe for 95% of jobs and people, it can. And the people who need CMYK are in the other 5% and now not happy. Which is sad because it is a good package, but I wouldn't want to, to have to rely on it to the exclusion of Photoshop. I'd use both. I don't see the problem in using both. I've said before that I use, if I want to do a quick crop on an image, I'm not going to sit here and wait for Photoshop to think about running. I'll, I'll use Pixelmator and I'd use it more if it wasn't broken, but I'm not going down there again. <laughs> February, February people. Yes, let's not go. There. This is why I can't wait another two weeks. I, you know, I really do appreciate that the speed of it and the interface is beautiful. I would want to use it more, but if that one feature is still, what, what if version two comes out and it's still broken? Then there'll be tears at MacBytes headquarters. Oh, there'll be tears before bedtime. You're mm. not joking, are you? Anyway, talk, that would be a disaster. And talking of disasters, what a segue. Yes, news from MacBytes headquarters. Disaster struck this week, did it not? Yes, do you mean my trousers or your kit? Well, my kit was more important. But your trousers were more urgent, I think. Yes. Do you want to go through the whole sorry tale? Of my machine or your trousers. <laughs> my your, machine, I think. Let's, let's leave my trousers out of it. Yes, I think we should. Um, yes, my machine just hasn't been right. We've discussed before, haven't we, iStat menus and people who swear by iStat menus and they sit there staring at them all day. I don't. I don't have that installed. I know if my machine isn't right and it's not been right. So I'm sitting looking at it thinking, you're not right, are you? There's something wrong. Talk to me, dear. Tell me what's wrong. Um, I can only characterise it as a bit of a slowdown. I thought, I have seen this before when it when it starts to slow down. Now, obviously, it must be said here, I think at this point I'd had 36 days uptime. So maybe it just needed a reboot. Yes, it'll unionise itself next, won't it? And, and demand <laughs> to, be put, to, to, to be allowed to rest every now and then. Um, but it got to the point where it was really, really slow. I don't know how many of you have actually seen this, but you get beach balls when it's doing nothing at all. Uh, you try and move down to the dock. I have my dock hidden. So when I move the mouse over it, it sort of takes a couple of minutes for the dock to come up. Still beach balling, still beach balling, nothing running at all. You know, you're checking activity monitor and, it, and it's fairly OK. You know, it's, it's not peeking out on anything, but it's still really, really slow. So I've had that before. What I usually do then is reboot it. You know, first trick, reboot it. And 
I think every time I have had a hard drive not come back on. So what seems to be causing the slowdown is that a hard drive has died. It's still it's still reporting that it's there and I can still click on it. And if I wait 10 minutes, you know, something will come up. But if you reboot, the hard drive does not come back on. So I fully expected to turn on after a reboot and find a hard drive disappeared. And it didn't. Everything was fine when I rebooted. So I thought, OK, so I started opening up the, the apps one at a time and I found that Postbox wouldn't run. Postbox being a mail client. It tried. I think I left it trying for 20 minutes, but it just couldn't in the end. So I thought, hmm, P-list issue. So I deleted the preferences, which, well, actually, it was a preferences file that pointed to a folder or something. It wasn't actually a P-list, but I thought, well, in for a penny and for a pound. And I've got a backup of a full super duper backup. So I deleted this file and it reset all the postbox preferences, which was a pain in the proverbial. But it did mean that the application would run and there was my mail. So I thought, OK, then. So at that point, I'm thinking I need to super duper this machine again, just to be sure. And it wouldn't super duper. It just wouldn't read the file. So then I realised what the problem was. It seen as though, well, at this stage, it just wouldn't super duper. So I'm thinking, well, there's obviously a problem somewhere along the line. So while I'm thinking about it, I'm moving some files off the hard drive and one of these files reported back an error. I think it was a minus 36 or something like that. Really helpful error. And you Google it and you, you know, it could mean one of nine things. But I thought it was pointing towards a bad sector on the hard drive. So what I decided to do was boot to my super duper image and unmount the Macintosh HD and check it for bad sectors. So I did a verify disk and it couldn't verify the disk. So it said it, the disk needed to be repaired. So I thought, OK, I'll, I'll play along with this so far. I'll verify the hard drive, repair the hard drive and try again. Um, but it wouldn't do that. It kept coming back and saying, can't do it, can't repair, can't repair, can't repair. Um, it suggested that I copy the files, reformat and reinstall. <laughs> yeah, right. So that was where I was at. And then, of course, it's not quite that simple, is it? To lion or not to lion? This is the question. If I've, if I've got to reinstall, do I lion or do I not lion? Or alternatively, ignore it as long as possible and then buy a new machine. Then you'd have lion installed. <laughs> mm, that's true, actually. <laughs> Talking of which, why haven't we upgraded our main machines? Um. It's gone that long now, I can't actually seriously remember. <laughs> because uh, Audio Hijack Pro is now fully compatible. That was a big one. Um, oh, there was a security update that came out. That was for the DigiNotar uh, certificate thing. Um, that broke my coloured sidebar hack. I needed to restart the finder after the reboot to reactivate it. There's a lots of re's in there, isn't there? But it still works. So the coloured sidebar's there. Um, Oh, oh! while I was checking for why, why aren't I upgrading to Lion, I saw news of a new iWork. I was so excited. And then I read it was the iOS version. Two and a half years. I'm thinking it's being abandoned. And I also found something called Lion Tweaks, which nifty little application that allows you to tweak a lot of the things that may annoy you intensely with Lion. So having found all that lot, I can't remember. Why aren't we upgrading to Lion? What's left? Um, What's left that we can cling on to? I really don't know. In that case, we could upgrade, couldn't we? 
<laughs> we could. Uh, we'll let you know in next week's show. Mm. Mm. I've just got this nagging feeling that something critical won't work when I've done it and I just can't remember what that might be let's try it and find out <laughs> oh, let's not a rush promises here <laughs> you watch this space you yeah. said next week you next... said next week they'll, they'll know I did say next week you'll not get it past all of them one of them will know mm. Matt is a sharp you know they are so move along okay another story from this week was uh Evernote. Evernote has removed file type restrictions for free accounts. Now, I've got a free account. You've actually paid for an account. I don't like adverts. No. They were irrelevant to me. They were American adverts and they were flashing at me. Do you actually get more than just ad free for paying? Well, you were getting um, unrestricted file types, which you're now getting. <laughs> Hoi polloi. Um, and there's more bandwidth per month. You can upload a lot more. You also get priority on the OCR, the server-based OCR, and priority support. Now, I always think priority support is, is a bit hit and miss. I, I, I wouldn't pay just for priority support. But when I did have a problem with Evernote, uh, they were on the ball and sorted it out. So that's one of the other things as well. I think it was worth it then, wasn't it, for I you? I think most that, people uh, would could, could do without um, a pro account. Although the other thing that I did find useful was uh, you can have offline notebooks that's on your right. iOS devices. Yeah. That's probably something that you would benefit from more than anything else. I think I would, given my lack of, of um, signals various times when I need it. Uh, but the, the, story, the story this week was that uh, free users had previously been limited to just putting only text, image, audio and PDF files into their notes and that restriction is now gone. So now both free and premium users can attach any type of file to a note, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, the problem with that is the thing with Evernote always was it's fabulously easy to get stuff in Evernote and a bit tricky to get it out. You can get it out as Evernote um, export and then take it to another machine and import it. But I put stuff in there like PDFs and sometimes, well, it was up, up till now, it's been very difficult to get them out. Certainly uh, easily. Um, I think I made this comparison with DevonThink. I was just going to say I thought you could drag and drop them out, but then I realised it's, it's DevonThink where you can do that. Isn't DevonThink it? is really, really good about that. Because when I was on Windows, I used, oh, what was that thing called? Tree, something tree. Oh, there's a blast from the past. Something tree. <laughs> Oak tree? No. Willow tree? <laughs> oh, no, don't. Oh, dear, I can't remember. Something tree. But it, it was pretty much Devon Think. It was the poor man's Devon Think was what it was. And... Um, it wasn't it, it pad? Something pad? Tree pad? Tree, tree pad. pad? Tree pad. I don't know. You look it up while I, I explain what that, it was. No. It was, was like pad. Devon thing. Tree That's pad. the nearest I could explain yeah, it's tree it. pad. It's tree pad. Yeah. Right, okay. It's tree pad. It was very, very good. There were different versions. Typical Windows app, you know, there was a, a free version and a light version and a business version and a personal version and an enterprise version. <laughs> Sounds like Microsoft. Well, the difference was the, the amount of stuff you could put in it. So I think I had an enterprise version and I used it extensively for all sorts of things. It, it really made it storing files easier because they were all together locked up in a tree pad file. 
And then, of course, I moved to the Mac and it was a disaster because I had to try and export this stuff. It could export <laughs> I'm glad it. you carried on there because you said I moved to the Mac and it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it was for TreePad. <laughs> Because this is like five and a half years ago and the guy said, I'm working on a Mac version and I still don't think it's there. Check the website. Is, is that Mac version ready yet? It was a good job I didn't wait, put it like that. But what I couldn't do with TreePad, I could export it. I could export all my notes and what it created was um, a website. Now oh, that sounds ridiculous. A folder which had in it what you, if you uploaded this thing, you'd have a working website. So what you did was you opened up an index page in a browser and you browsed the contents of the folder from your browser. But that's not the same as exporting the stuff because all I could do with it was, was put the folder on my Mac and browse it with Safari, which wasn't really what I wanted. I wanted my files back. Give me my files. Um, so when I moved to the Mac, I started looking around and it was in the days pre-Evernote. But I went with DevonThink because although it has a proprietary files format and a structure, you can just go to DevonThink, just grab what you want, drag it out to the desktop and it recreates the folder structure that you've got in DevonThink. And I wish Evernote was that good when it came to exporting. So I, I'm a bit wary. I don't tend to put... Um, I, I have got a few PDFs in there and I did put some images in there. But to be honest, if I can't get them out easily, then it's a waste of time to me. So it's great for backing up, but not great if you can't get the stuff out. So for for stuff that I want out in its original format, um, then I'd go for DevonThink. Dev DevonThink now has a mobile solution, but obviously it's not Evernote because Evernote's cloud based and, and that's the whole point of it. There's something called JRepad on the TreePad site. Which yes, is I know, but that's source. been around for eons and it really is just a reader. It, it lets you read the file format, but not interact with it. It's Java-based, isn't it? But apart from that, he's saying use a virtual machine. <laughs> Joy. <Yeah. laughs> no, no, no. I made the mistake of booting my, my virtual Windows machine. Hadn't turned it on since March. <laughs> yeah, it took about four days to update. <laughs> Don't so, no, it. I won't be using a virtual machine. <laughs> no, because then you've got all the issues about you've got to get the files that you're trying to put in TreePad into the virtual machine and then put it in TreePad. No, no, no. That's why DevonThink is so good. It's not just getting stuff in, it's getting stuff out. Yeah, one of the things that I used to put into TreePad was uh, my passwords. Oh, I had them in the Caveman app, remember? <laughs> I do remember. The, cave <laughs> the name of which still escapes me. Am I getting to that age, do you think? I can't remember the name of anything. <laughs> no, it's because it was Windows. Ah, true, true. And that's a good segue through to 1Password, which has gone Mac App Store only, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And we bought it again. We did, mm. again. And uh, how long did you have it installed? Before I broke it, you mean? Yes, before you broke it. Um, ooh, maybe 10 seconds. Maybe 10 seconds. Yes, it was it was hideous. I had the most up-to-date version installed. I had my data in Dropbox and I was assured everything would be fine. And it was one catastrophe after another. Um, I didn't uninstall the old one. It said you didn't need to. It would do that. So I went to the App Store. I purchased it. It installed. It did put it in the Apps folder, but it put it in a folder of its own. So I manually, it didn't delete the old one. So I manually got rid of the old one. No, I didn't app zap it. That wasn't a good idea. So I just got rid of the .app file. I put the new one that it had put in a folder in the Apps folder and I ran it. And it ran... 
that was where the good news finished. I then had a couple of problems. Um, my first problem was I put my master password in and it opened and then immediately locked it again. That was a biggie. And I couldn't stop it doing it. But then I, I, just, I gave up on that at that point because this, this machine, of course, is, is the one that I have got Lion installed on. So, oh, I was at the point of blaming Lion for everything. So I left it alone. So I thought, well, let's see if I've got the same problem on a Snow Leopard machine. And on the Snow Leopard machine, I didn't have that problem with it. So I could blame Lion. Problem was on the Snow Leopard machine, um, it wasn't, wasn't working in the browser. So I tried updating the extension and it said I was up to date and it still wouldn't work, at which point there were going to be tears before bedtime because I've got most of my passwords for my the stuff I consider important are about 50 characters long and they're just random with digits and, and symbols and all sorts of things. So I can't sit there and type them in. I can't. Um, then you said, are you sure you've got the latest extension? And it turned out there was a beta one, but I didn't think that was made very clear that I had to use the beta one. No, I had to go searching around the web to find that information. Well, I think you've got it out the forum. Yeah. I've been to the extensions page, and yes, there was a checkbox that said use a beta one, but it just a, you know just just one sentence on that page that says you know if you're using 3.9 from the App Store, you must use this in Chrome would have helped because I'd gone through that about four times and I know it needed to be the beta one. So at that point, my Snow Leopard install was working fine. My Lion one wasn't. It was hideous. Um, I got it sorted out eventually. Um, I asked for help on Twitter and they came back at me and um, it, took a, it took a while. But what, what we fixed the first thing, which was the fact it was locking, it's multiply locking. And it was literally a case of opening up the preferences. If this happens to you, you need to open up uh, one password. You then need to go to the one, pref one password preferences uh, window. Of course, you won't be able to change anything until you've put the password in. But by the time you've put the password in, if you then go and look for the preferences, it will have locked itself again and then you can't change the preferences. So I was playing one password whack-a-mole <laughs> with Stu laughing at me helplessly. <laughs> yes. Eventually, after about four attempts, I managed to put the password in and hit the preferences window to take all the ticks out of the boxes. So, so pretty much I was saying to it, don't lock it. Just don't lock it at all. Let me in so I can change these. So I took the ticks out and I said, right, fourth time lucky, finally done it. And that solved that problem. But then I had another problem, which was the extension, even though it was the beta one, wasn't working in Chrome. So that wasn't particularly good. It was working in Safari. Um, it was the right version of Chrome. It was the right version of 1Password. And it was the right version of the extension. So at that point, I thought, oh dear, if it's not working and everything's the right version, there's a problem. But what it turned out to be was when I'd installed 1Password from the App Store, it hadn't deleted something from the old one. And it wasn't part of the... well it was part of the app but it wasn't it, it wasn't got rid of by removing the old version of one password so it was still running and even though i'd rebooted and, and all sorts of stuff this agent thing was still running so um Stu sent through a terminal hack to get rid of it and now it's working on lion oh dear you know that's another reason why <laughs> i don't actually <laughs> i can't say i'm not using lion oh dear yeah so one password's fine fine yes so that's good 
thing with that is they said it was going to be Mac App Store only and they put the price down to about 50%. So we all dutifully went along and purchased and get a free upgrade to version 4. But didn't you say on the forums that they're now saying maybe it won't be Mac App Store only? Yeah, there's a big debate on one of the forum threads. Um, what have we got here? Somebody, oh, they said it, it's going to be a Mac App Store exclusive, yes. Um... People are not happy that it is just going to be Mac App Store, with all the the, the pricing uh, issues with that, and and you know, having to upgrade and having to be forced to use a, a, a particular version of the operating system. It's quite strange that that's what people are complaining about. I mean, I don't particularly have a problem with Mac App Store. There are applications I choose not to buy in the App Store for particular reasons. Um, I was more concerned that you're upgrading, so it's an upgrade, but it's supporting fewer browsers. I know it's because they can't, like on Lion, they can't support Fluid. It's something in Lion that, that won't let them, you know, do whatever they need to do to, to put the plugin into, into Fluid, which creates some um, single service browsers. Um, and it's also no longer going to be able to support other browsers. Now, sometimes I'd use another browser, not because I want to use another browser, but because I need to be logged into three Google accounts or something or three different things. So I, I put them in three different browsers and you're not going to be able to have one password to do that. You're going to have to copy and paste the password out of it. It only supports the three main browsers now. And nobody's saying much about that. They're concerned about the price of this and upgrading that and that seems secondary to me yeah there's a, there's a couple of comments here i can't use it at work legally because the only way to get it is the mac app store and the mac app store specifically prohibits my accessing the mac app store in enterprise environments but i don't think i, I don't think that's specific to one password i think that's yeah the 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 mac app store itself is a a whole bigger issue isn't it it is uh, that i've encountered various things with that in the last few weeks um i don't know why more apps or app developers can't just adopt the post box approach and i think mars edit does the same that if you buy from the mac app store you can then elect you have to install the app from the app store but once you've done that if they bring out an update, and obviously you're, you're, you can be waiting two, three weeks for the App Store to its approval process to kick in, but the updated version is available on their website, you can install that version and it will just read that you've got a Mac App Store receipt and let you install it and carry on. So that way you get the best of both worlds. But I know there are other developers that deliberately don't do that. There's been a big, big discussion on the BB Edit forums about that. Um, they, they have a mailing list and they brought a new version out. Oh, it must be about six, six, seven weeks ago now. And that list is usually quite quiet. And for seven weeks, it's it's been oh, at fever pitch with people saying, you know, to get from the Mac App Store, not to get from the Mac App Store. Well, can't we buy it from the App Store and then install the version from the website? Um, and they actually pointed out that, you know, other application developers do that. So why can't you do that? Um, the thing with BB Edit is, it's like you said, that the Mac App Store is a whole bigger debate. BB Edit has some features that the Mac App Store version of BB Edit does not have. 
Uh, it's all to do with the sandboxing requirements and what Apple won't let people do. And one of the, the biggest things is um, verified saved, where, you, where you, you authenticate to save the file. And if you're using BBEdit to edit system files, then you would need the ability to authenticate before you save. And the Mac App Store version cannot do that. So for them in particular, I'd love to buy from the Mac App Store and then be able to install their version. So I don't know what's involved in that, and I don't know why they haven't enabled it, but you can't. So I agree with you. I think I think that's just so wrong. I mean that that you know, for, for people like us, we we you know we 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 research it, but for your average user, they just think, oh, the Mac App Store is 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 you know the place to go. It's like if I bought a tin of beans, I would get something extra in Tesco's that I don't get. <laughs> <laughs> if I yeah, buy arrested for, for writing the prices down from what I heard. <laughs> you know what Don't I'm use the tin of beans example. <laughs> you know <laughs> This is degenerating. You know what I'm saying, don't you? It's this it should be you shouldn't get a different version, a different flavour of the app just by going to the Mac App Store. Particularly you shouldn't get a lesser version when Apple are trying to the reason I'm laughing is because I nearly said Microsoft then. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> Apple it's my rant. Apple are trying to, to get you to um Give to, them thirty percent. To go there, Apple want their thirty percent. Yes, Apple want you to go there to buy the stuff. No, but then if you're in their playground, you play by their rules. That's Talking of true. their rules, rumours abound of a new version of Logic Pro. Ooh. Yes, I'm waiting for something to edit audio with, seeing as though they've killed Soundtrack Pro. But I was concerned when it I heard it referred to as Logic Pro X. The curse of the X, <laughs> <Yeah>. I thought. <laughs> if you're wondering what on earth I'm talking about. Um, Final Cut Pro X. Not exactly a warm reception. Lots of people complaining. And it reminded me when I heard Logic Pro X, I thought, do you remember QuickTime X? I do. QuickTime 10, nightmare. I still don't like that. I don't, I understand why they've done it. Now it all makes sense. You know that, the controller that floats over the video? Yeah. It makes sense because it looks like iOS. It looks like I'll touch that and it'll work. The problem with it is, I know you can move it because you've said, well, why don't you just move it? That makes less sense to me. I want to control a video. I want the controls to be in the same place all the time. You don't buy, you know, your Blu-ray player and every time you go down, the buttons have moved. So I want the interface just to, you know, the buttons to be in the same place. That makes complete sense to me. But you said, you know, you'd have to move it out of the way because where it is by default, it's over subtitles it's over lower thirds. It's just completely in the way. And no matter where I put it, I think it's in the way. So QuickTime 10, I actually prefer 7 and I still use 7 because I like the buttons where I like them. So we've got, we've had QuickTime X. We've had Final Cut Pro X disasters. And now we're promised Logic Pro X. I'm concerned. Yeah, we'll see. I'm concerned. I'm predicting it'll be a lot cheaper and it'll be available by the Mac App Store. And seeing as though there's no Soundtrack Pro, I won't have, a, have an option. I'll That's probably... not a difficult prediction to make, really. No, it's not. No, no, would you mind? I'm trying to sound intelligent. 
I, I'm concerned, put it like that, with Logic Pro 10. I hope it's here sooner rather than later, though, because I'd like to be able to make a decision. And um, that decision at the moment, the moment, probably the best audio editing kit for a podcast would be from Adobe. <gasps> Shock, horror. Did yes. you really say that? I did. I did. I actually said that out loud. Um, I've forgotten the name of it now. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having a week of it. No, it's Audition, isn't it? Adobe Audition. Used to be Adobe Sound Booth, now Adobe Audition. And um, Adobe have been making hay at the moment. They've had a promotion running ever since Final Cut Pro 10 came out for Premiere CS 5.5, which is half price and continues to be so. Is it the end of September or October? I can't remember. I see your so mind's going link now. And find out. You must be living with me. Yes, and uh, you made an interesting point about that. I was thinking, well, uh, and it's the suite, isn't it? Is it the? I think it's the suite. Yes. Premiere. Is it the? What's the suite called? Production. Pro production premium. Production premium. So, it's end of September. End of so September. Another, so still, still time. Days. Still time if you're interested. Uh, but you made an interesting point about that about the price. Yeah, it's actually cheaper to buy that suite than it is to buy Photoshop on its own. The problem with that's going to be when you come to upgrade it. You cannot upgrade a suite to a single product. So if you decide that you, if you do that, because it's cheaper to do that than it is by Photoshop, and then when an update comes out, you want to update just Photoshop, you can't do it. So then it's going to cost you more. You're going to have to pay for a suite update when actually all you need to update is Photoshop. So be very careful if that's why you're doing it. But if you wanted it for Premiere Pro, then it is a very good price. The other issue is it's a matter of trust, I find, with software companies and Adobe have already discontinued um, Premiere once on the Mac platform. So not a great history there, unfortunately. They did bring it back due to customer demand and they there is some amazing features in it. I mean, you've seen the demos, haven't you? I have. It looks the, great. The rotoscoping that, that goes on with it. it. It is amazing. It is a very, very good application. And I've got it in Master Collection. But I would be concerned... It's just easy. The, the way that they do the licensing and stuff, it's actually easier to just buy Master Collection and be done with it. That way I don't have to worry about upgrading anything. You're just upgrading Master Collection. But I know when I did have... I had Design Premium. There were about seven or eight suites and it then became a nightmare. Uh, luckily for me, Design Premium, as a one-off, they let you upgrade from Design Premium to Master Collection. And it was because Master Collection wasn't available straight away. So I think there was like a four or five month wait, about four months. So they let you buy one and then gave you that amount off Master Collection. But it is a, a huge, huge investment for people, isn't it? I think it's £2,400, £2,800. It's something silly like that. It, yeah. It's Yes, it's expensive. But... Uh, in terms of Adobe making hay, they also announced Adobe Carousel, which sounds fabulous. It does, but I don't know what it is. How can it sound fabulous if you don't know what it is? <laughs> because it sounds fabulous. <laughs> so you can tell me what it is. Um, it's for photographs. It's to give you a round tripping for your photographs across devices, which is something that certainly in the design um, forums that I frequent, people have been talking about 
since if not since the iPhone then definitely since the iPad um, if you could imagine you're out on a shoot and you're previewing your images on your iPad immediately that would be very cool and I think people were talking about oh I want Lightroom I want Lightroom on my iPad and they've not actually done that but what they have done is put this technology in place it's cloud-based service where you, you put your photos in the cloud and then it synchronizes them to all your devices which include computers uh, smartphones tablets at the moment it doesn't support Windows and Android but support for Windows and Android is coming next year but it does support iPhone iPad and Mac the apps themselves that you, that you need are free but with the syncing and the storage, that's a service and that costs $9.99 a month or $99 a year. Now, there's an introductory price of $5.99 a month or $59.99 a year. And if you um, take up an account while that introductory price is on, then that price is guaranteed for you for three years. What it gives you is unlimited storage for your photos in the cloud. That sounds like a good deal. It does, and it possibly would be. And you'd have to make a decision because you would be saving. You'd, you'd in effect be getting a year for free, wouldn't you, um, if, if you took it during this introductory period. Uh, issue I had with it was I thought that is very, very cool. It's based on Lightroom technology. And I thought I can see how that would work because... With raw files, when you make an edit, it's non-destructive, which means you don't actually change the pixels. And if you're doing it outside of um, a proprietary app, then what it tends to generate is a sidecar file. So you have an image called image one. And when you've done some raw edits with it, you get another file in the same folder next to it called image one. But this time it's a sidecar file. And what it's doing is saving the changes that you've made as a set of instructions. So I automatically, without sort of taking too much notice of the fine details here, assumed that that was how it was doing it, that if it sends back, it's not sending the whole raw file back. No, it would be sending this sidecar file back. I thought that makes total sense until I read that it's JPEG only. Mm. which kind of put a dampener on it for me immensely. I know you do a lot with RAW, don't you? I use RAW all the time. I, I wouldn't really shoot JPEG. The only originals that I have in JPEG format are, are sort of old ones. Uh, when I had a... Well, it wasn't a DSLR. It was sort of a, a, a prosumer model camera that only shot in high-quality JPEG. Um, and the camera that my mum uses only shoots JPEG. It's a pretty good camera. It's uh, a Canon, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Canon camera, a Canon Compact. Um, photos are very, very good off it, but they are JPEG. So it would work for something like that, but if it worked with RAW, I'd snatch your hand off. So I think I'm going to have to make a decision there whether you sort of pay for it and hope that RAW comes along later or not. But I thought that was a big, big omission. You could say it's the file size, but then JPEGs aren't that small these days. No, they're not, are they? This this um, camera of my mum's, I can't remember the model of it, but it's a Canon and it's fairly new. Uh, 10 megapixels. And the file sizes are about 10 to 15 meg. So I've got... That's comparative to the RAW that I shoot, which is about 10 well, meg. Well, my, my camera's older than that. My uh, DSLR 
is, I'm not sure what the megapixels were on it, but it's about five years old now. And the raw files that it suits, shoots are about eight to 12. So these JPEGs are actually bigger. So if you're going to try uploading you know, the raw JPEGs, they're going to be bigger than, than my raw files. So I'm mm. not quite sure about the logic. Maybe it's the technology that they're having problems with. But if it if it would use raw, then I'd give it a go. But I, I, I've refrained at the moment. I'm trying to talk myself out of it. <laughs> but I'm also thinking, hmm, but you've got all that lovely money from mobile me. <laughs> and that's probably what Adobe are thinking. Oh, yeah. $59.99 a year. You know, the, all these Apple users, they're not spending that. Let's put something in place that they can give us the money instead. So very, very crafty there. They've also announced um, the digital publishing suite which i think is the hugely expensive one that's not a standard suite like design premium it's um, a special suite that is dedicated to digital publishing and it's now got newsstand support which will ship in ios 5. so is this a renaissance for adobe or just making up for windows 8 metro that thing not having flash i wonder mm, i don't know have you tried this Window 8 Metro thingy? <laughs> thingy? No. I, I, I ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid. I actually... Do, do, do you want a shameful admission? The MacBytes shameful admission of the week. Go on. I downloaded it. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. <laughs> no. It, it was about four and a half gig and I downloaded it. I'm sure I mentioned it. Can I have a copy? I mentioned it in, in conjunction with... Um, virtualization and and running said thing but i didn't bother i i get these mad harebrained schemes now everyone was downloading it and i thought might as well download it now well we had an internet connection because that's not been good all week has it don't get to me going on b again um so i decided to download it overnight and it's there and feel free yes oh, i insist you. you do a review save okay. me the job right yes but i'd also found you a very good toy this week you did. Um, something I've been wanting to do is, well, I, I used to do it and then it broke, is updating my uh, Facebook from Twitter. This is because um, you can't be bothered with Facebook, isn't it? Yes, and I can't <laughs> be bothered typing the, the hash FB because it wastes three characters. Um, I, I used always to be able forget. To, I used to, I always forget as well. Um, like I always forget the LinkedIn one. Although most of my tweets probably aren't relevant for LinkedIn. I don't know who I'm linked into in LinkedIn. <laughs> Um, yes, there used to be an app which uh, was a, a Facebook app. Uh, so when you, you you basically just linked your Facebook to your Twitter account, and every time you tweeted, it went through to your, your, your Twitter, uh, went through to your Facebook, and it broke. And then you found a way of fixing it. Yeah, it was um, in this time you do it from the Twitter end. So it's just literally putting a tick in the box that says post tweets to Facebook. So I, I told you about it. Oh, you dropped everything instantly and dived in there. <laughs> I did. And I just sent a couple of test tweets to say uh, testing to see if this tweet goes through to, to Facebook. And people kept coming back to me and, and, and you know, Your saying, most popular two tweets of the week, <laughs> I seem to recall. Yeah. Coming back to me and saying, not that you're boring or anything. How, how do you do this? Can you do this? I thought it was broken. So I then went back and told them. Yeah, so, I, I turned that on as well. So uh, if you're following me on Facebook, yeah, it actually looks like I'm there, doesn't it? Um, I, but it tempts me to go in. If, if, I, if I tweet something, it goes through to Facebook. Then Facebook bleeps me on the phone and says, you know, somebody likes your status or, or somebody said something. It tempts me into Facebook. It's dangerous, that, isn't it? I had somebody coming back to me on Facebook who I used to, to talk, if you like, with uh, quite a lot, who said, I thought you were dead. <laughs> 
because no, it was I hadn't just the technology that was dead. Because I hadn't actually Facebooked for so long. Because I never Facebooked in the first place. It all went through from Twitter. Oh, good grief. Yeah, well, it's back. It's back. <laughs> now, Minster thought that was fabulous, but he wanted it the other way. He wanted to take his Facebook stuff and put it on Twitter. And I'm not sure if that's possible, is it? I don't know. I've not investigated. I wouldn't have thought it was because on Facebook, you're not limited to 140 characters, are you? No. And That's probably the sticking point. Yeah, I, I would guess so. Which is a shame because I know Minster. But Minster... He, fre- he frequents Facebook more than Twitter. I shall have to yes. add words with him. Minster, if you find out, let us know. Oh, yes, if you find a way to do it. Mind you, that might... No, 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 no. I mustn't, I mustn't talk about Facebook. I mustn't. I mustn't think about Facebook. No. Uh, we also heard from Derek. Yes. Who spotted that Boots, that's in the UK, uh, the chemist chain, have an offer of 20% off iTunes vouchers. For selected stores only. Um, now, Graham Parker, one of our listeners, um, asked me, how do you know which stores? And I went back. I know it sounded a little bit uh, sarcastic, but I said ring them up because that's exactly what I did. Well, I thought the the ones near us, we, we have a retail park about two miles away. And I think the stores on a retail park are fairly large. And there's also the town centre. And I'd say that was a fairly large branch of boots. But apparently neither of them are selling them. No, now this offer ends on the 20th of, 20th of September. So assuming we can get this show out in time, you'll have a day or so to uh, to look around. Yes, we need bigger boots. We do. We do need bigger boots. Bit like some of us need bigger trousers. Should we move on? No, I think you need to tell them what you did. Most people know what I did. I clean with my kit and it breaking. And I broke one password. So you tell us about your trousers. Okay, I dropped my keys on the way out last week, on the way out to work, and I bent down and I picked them up and I, I... felt a rip in my trousers around the groin area luckily i was still <laughs> at home TMI. luckily i was still at home so i went to change them end of story <laughs> should we move on yes if you like what an image to conjure with people oh, yes yes we'll move again, on we're going it? to talk about the free software yes and um, software. you're going to talk about the free software i'm just going to sit here and make sarcastic comments about my trousers no, no, About no. About free software. Right. Okay. Serious face. Zite. Let's talk about Zite. Zite is a personalised free magazine app for the iPad. Um, it's a bit like, um, what's the other one called? Flipbook, which we're going to talk about shortly. No, Flipboard. 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 Thank you. Um, Zite. I actually prefer Zite, but I'll come back to, to Flipboard shortly. Don't um, do it again. The end of the review before the beginning. <laughs> You do it every time. <laughs> right, you can skip forward, people. You you know the punchline. No, 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 no. I said I prefer Zite, so I've got to talk about Zite. It's a personalised free magazine app. It has um, predefined sections, uh, which are like topics or headings, although you can enter your own. So if I actually go to the section, the section section, he says, um, what I need to do, come on. You see, you've upset your iPad now, leaving it sat there alone. Yes, here we go. Right, I've gone to the sections section, and I've got a choice of lots of sections, like um, world news, politics, art and culture, sports, film and TV, technology, food and cooking. There's one for me and not you. Absolutely. You can hide these sections, can't you? Like they don't exist. Yes, what you actually do. Health and exercise, fashion. There's another one not for you. You can hide both of those. Carry (laughs) on. (laughs) 
Why don't you lift the iPad up to the microphone so you don't sound like you've got a head in the, your head in a box? Okay, there we go. Right. Um, automotive, that's one for neither of us, I think. No, if it's got four wheels and moves, I'm happy with it. Pets? Ah! Mayor! Manchester United? No, skip that one. Anyway, basically, you get all these sections. Um, you can actually type your own in as well and it'll come back and uh, if there is one um, for that for what you've typed in it'll allow you to select it or if there's a similar one as well it'll allow you to select it so what you do is you actually tap these sections and it will add those sections to your uh, your magazine uh, but what you can also do is you can connect it to other services so you can connect it to Twitter for example and you don't have to log in so you don't log into your Twitter account. Uh, you just enter a Twitter name in. So I could enter anyone's Twitter name. And what it does is it brings up a, a list of sections which relate to what that person tweets about, which I think is really cool. That's scary. That's it stalkery. Is scary. It is. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I could, I could, um, I could um, type in your Twitter name and I would get sections about technology and the Apple and bit like my twitter name actually <laughs> i think you'd get pretty much the same as you'd get i think so um you can also link it to google reader now again you do have to log in there um same with delicious and read it later you you log in there and what it does is it looks through your rss feeds or your delicious um, bookmarks or what you've set it in what you've put in read it later and it works out what sections to give you it's basically um looking at what you tweet about, what bookmarks you save, what RSS feeds you have, or what um, pages you save to read it later. You can change your selected sections at any time. And once you've made a selection, what you do is you return to the home page of the app, which I will do now. I'll click done. And then I have a sections list down the right hand side. So what I currently have because I was messing around, which isn't indicative of my true um, sections. I've got food and cooking. I've got Mac news. I've got social media. I've got technology. That sounds got... exactly like you. It does, actually. Mm. Never mind <laughs> um, playing around. It's not you. I've got Manchester United. Some of them um, that I did have, I've taken away, and some of them I've, I've added. I probably, well, actually, I was going to say I probably wouldn't have food and cooking long term, but I think I will because uh, I like the stuff that's in there. And what you have is um, each section comprises about five to ten pages, and you actually just swipe through the pages with your finger on the iPad, and there's about five or six stories on each page. The stories come from a whole range of websites, so I suppose it's an aggregator. And you get to see the first bit of the story. What you do, you just tap the story and then it loads the rest of it in. It either goes out to the web or it goes to its, its inbuilt browser. And on the sidebar for each story, you've got, um, did you enjoy reading this? Yes or no. You've got, give me more from... Um, and give me more from it. It's a button that then has the uh, the source of the article. You mean give the subject me more, of the article? The, the subject of the article, yeah. Um, give me more about. And what it does there is it picks up uh, keywords or tags from that particular article. So in this one that uh, that I'm reading about, um, 
well, not reading about, I just happened to tap on it. CC colon to me turns your email inbox into an instant Instapaper alternative. Now, I've not read the article. I don't know what it's about, but give me more from thenextweb.com, which is where the story came from. Give me more about, and I've got three buttons, bookmarklet, web tools, and web two, which are obviously three tags within that story. So it allows you to, to, well, it learns based on what you tap. So if you say, yes, I enjoyed reading this, then what it's going to do is it's going to say you'll see more stories similar to this one. So it's learning all the time. What you can also do is you can share an individual story on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, with an email link. So you can email somebody with a link to it. You can save it to read it later. You can share it on LinkedIn, delicious, even send um, to Evernote. I was surprised when I tried it because I tried Flipboard. And like you say, I, I thought, oh, it's going to be like Flipboard. But what surprised me was I only put my Twitter name in. That was all I put in. I didn't give it any more clues. And the stuff it came up with, I found really interesting. So it was very accurate. It was. That's exactly what I did. But it was so long ago that I did it that when I came to, to prep it for the show, I thought, um, did I actually log into Twitter? And when I went to the Twitter option, as I said, no, you can actually just put anyone's Twitter details in. Well, that was all I put in. I didn't put Facebook in. I didn't link it to Google Reader. And the stuff it came up with, it wasn't just, it was all sort of technology related. It was Mac stuff. It came up with Adobe as a section. It must have picked that up from the people that I follow on Twitter. So like you're saying, but that I would say it was very, very accurate and it didn't take a long time to set it up. Some of these services where, you know, you click the yes, I like this thing. It takes a long time to learn what you like and you're seeing things that you don't like. But I found working with it, it it didn't take any time at all to set it up, which I appreciated. And it was very accurate and it didn't need sort of constant triaging to make it better. No, it's it's become my bedtime reading now. Yes. So when you see tweets from Mike where he's quoting stuff, you know that he's reading Zeit. <laughs> In bed. <laughs> One of the things that I think you mentioned was where it stores its settings. And the answer to that is I don't know. Because if you move from one iPad to another, for example, um, you know, yes, you'd probably have to put in your, your Twitter name again. But does it have to relearn? I know you've said that, um, you know, just put in your Twitter name and it, it was pretty accurate. But then there are all the other things I've just talked about where it's learning as you go based on what you've clicked. I think if you create, if, if you've got a new iPad and you build it up from scratch, you would have to start again. I think I'm assuming would. if you restored an iPad, then it would go with it. It didn't take long, but I take your point. If you've honed this system over months and months, it would actually be quite annoying to, to, to lose that. what The one thing I find with it is it's great for browsing information. But when you mentioned linking it to Google Reader uh, for RSS feeds, I found that a little bit strange, I, I must admit, because I find the way Zeit works to be browsing information rather than systematically making sure you don't miss anything. You, yeah. You're just browsing it. When I use, I use Reader for RSS feeds. And with that, I want to know that, that I've at least, you know, skimmed the titles of all the stuff, all the RSS items in my RSS feeds. 
I want to make sure that I've not missed anything. And I don't think Zeit is intended for that. It's for browsing. So this linking of um, RSS feeds to it and stuff, yes, to um, give it some information, but not if it's something where you don't want to miss something. Yeah, fair Recreational enough. Recreational browsing rather than actually maybe detail. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's I think it's using that just to, to you know as, to make it relevant the relevancy. I, I like it. I really, really like it. It is relaxing to sit down and, and like you're saying, it's like a virtual magazine. Only everything that's in it, because you've trained it, you're interested in. I did find um, after using it for about oh, I must I must have been browsing around there for about an hour and a half. Um, the next day when I went into my RSS feed, I thought I've read all this. I've read this. I've read this. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought. Oh dear, <laughs> you know, because there there was obviously a certain percentage of my RSS feed items that weren't in Zeit, but there was a lot of them that I had actually seen. So it's like, no, I've read that, red, 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 red. <laughs> and it actually made it quite interesting. Maybe I need to have two personas. I need a relaxing persona. No, that's not going to work, is it? No, 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 it's not going to no. work. It would all no. be tech anyway. It's not going to work. Now, Flipboard. Flipboard came out before... Um the, the, the Zeit. Um, and it's also a free magazine. You, now, you had that one first, didn't you? Flipboard was one of those things that the pre-release marketing was fabulous. And there was a waiting list. And as soon as it came out, it's a free application. So everyone was downloading it. But you needed an account to use it, I think, from memory. Or they made it that you needed an account. You did. And it took me a while to get one. Yeah, because what they then did was they, they sort of shut it down. Sort of, whoa, the servers can't cope. Um, but I found Flipboard at the beginning, I thought, yeah, okay, right, I've tried it, yeah, and it, it's very similar to Zeit. Um, I found it to be one of those apps that after sort of a week or so, I was using it less. Yeah, now, I, I know you I'm had to wait, so because you had to wait, you, you were you were probably sort of chomping at the bit to get there. But when you did, I bet after about a week, your usage kind of fell off a bit. It did. It did, yeah. Now, let me talk about Flipboard. Um it is. It's it's very similar to Zeit. The two are quite similar. It has this page flip effect. So with Zeit, you just you know scroll your finger and it just scrolls to the next page. But with Flipboard, hence the name, as you swipe across, you actually get the page flipping, which is a a nice effect. It has sections, and within each sections there are individual feeds or sources. So for example, um, tech and science is a section. And then within tech and science, you have a number of uh, feeds or sources. So uh, there's Apple News, there's Wired, there's all things digital, there's TechCrunch. You know, uh, just I just pick four out there, and these are then individual sources that you can add to your Flipboard favorites. So what you do, you select a source or feed, and it loads in all the stories that are attached to that source. There could be about 30 or more pages of stories, probably going back over the, the past few days, maybe even more. It's, it depends on the source. There's, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule as to how much it loads in. But like Zite, you just tap a story to load it and read it, and you can tweet it, you can share the link um, with email on the web, you can mark it as a favourite. Um, and the, the the big difference, well, it was a big difference um, with 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 Zite, is that you can add your Facebook feed as a favourite. Both of them let you add um, Twitter. Um, 
but with with well they are different because um, what you're doing is you're actually adding your feeds as favorites on this so it will actually load in tweets and uh, and comments from your Facebook friends and any pictures will be shown quite large um, so that you can you can see them you don't have to, to click them to, to look at them whereas with Zite it's actually using your Facebook and Twitter as a source rather than actually showing you the, the, the feeds themselves. That's what I found to be very different. The problem with Flipboard for me was because it's actually showing you tweets from your Twitter stream and posts from your Facebook feed, I've probably already seen them. Yeah. It's, it's the actual content of the tweet, the content of your Facebook feed, whereas with Zite, it's using it as a reference point and probably if I didn't look at my RSS feeds I wouldn't have seen a good 90 odd percent of that information that's why I prefer Zite. Yeah what um, what what Flipboard also does is it it actually lets you pull in your LinkedIn feeds, um, Flickr feeds, Instagram feeds and Google Reader as well. Now overall uh, as I said at the beginning uh, I, I do prefer Zite. I like Flipboard, I like the idea of it and uh, Apart from the fact that, as you say, I've probably already seen a lot of the, the Twitter and Facebook stuff, it does have other things in there that I haven't seen because it, it is uh, letting me go out and, and pull in these, these various sources. Um, and I do use them both, but overall I prefer Zite. I think it depends how you use Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn hmm. and whether you spend a lot of time on Flickr or browsing Instagram or how you access your RSS feeds. It's going yeah. to depend. That's why, for me, Twitter, Facebook and Google Reader, for a start, if Flipboard's only going to show me um, information from those sources and some other stuff as well, I'm going to feel that I've seen half of it, which is with, with Zite, I don't feel that. Zite is perfect. If you imagine waiting in the dentist's surgery instead of reading their magazine, you open your iPad and you read Zite. That would be and cool. it's perfect, well, apart from the fact you hurt the dentist. But apart from that, it would be perfect. It's a magazine and it builds itself, whereas Flipboard's showing me things I've already seen. So, But it, most people will probably have tried Flipboard because they did have a fabulous launch. They certainly launched the product brilliantly, so most people will have heard of that. So if you've heard of Flipboard and you've tried it, Zite's like that, but better. Yeah, that's how I'd summarise it as well. Well, moving on, it's time for... Mac Love Bites. Ooh. And this week we've heard from Beth, who is a member of our trainers group. And she says what she loves is Dropbox. And she says, you introduced it to me during an online event. I hadn't heard of it before. It was a great de demo. There were some brilliant tips and tricks. And I really, really love Dropbox now. I'd love you to do another session on it. Mmm. I like Dropbox too. In fact... I was, I was thinking as I was playing around with this computer that's failing on me miserably, at least all the stuff in Dropbox is on other machines and I can just move to another machine and use it. So can you imagine life without Dropbox now? I can't actually, no. No, I don't, I don't actually pay for any more space because I've got some referral space. So I think my Dropbox is about six gig, which I found I'm probably using about 50 to 55% of that. Yeah, so if anyone wants to give me some referral space, I'd be quite happy. More than happy. Damn it! Oh, shot self in foot there. <laughs> Go all in there. Yes, but you. Yes, but I've put my referral link up there, and you haven't. That's why I've got referral space. 
<laughs> I would have thought everybody was using Dropbox. You're now, nearly but... at your limit, aren't you? No, no. They upped that. I think you can have... Uh, is it 8 gig or 16 now? Oh, it's a lot, anyway. It's a lot. I would have thought everyone was using it, but who knows? There may be one person out there who isn't. Dropbox, I think, is well worth it. As long as you're clever with it and don't put stuff in there that, you know... I always think of it as public. I don't I don't tend to think of it in terms of security. Obviously, my 1Password stuff's in there, but I'm relying on 1Password for that, <laughs> for security. So it's got sort of three levels of security on that, as far as I'm concerned. But I don't put financial information in there or anything like that. I don't know if you do. No, I don't. Um, should we put both referral links in the show notes and let the listeners choose? <laughs> no, no, no. That would be like a, a popularity contest. That would never do at all. Right, anyway, we'll on neither. to feedback and comments. Don't you mean neither? <laughs> all right, just mine. Oh, this isn't going well for me. All right, put both in. <laughs> anyway, feedback and comments. Yes, after last week teasing the teasing of mcjim i heard back from mcjim yes first of all two shows in a week what's the world coming to quite right quite right but he's already spent a lot of money Mm, didn't know about this did we oh no a nice new mac mini Mm, using it as a media server with a bluetooth keyboard so the moby's going to have to wait Hmm. Well, when you do splash out on the Moby McJim, don't forget to get the very expensive mouse mat with it. That's just double the price, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> oh, the temptation of McJim. But they match. You can't have one without the other. Like you say, it's a twin set. So now there's two things on your wish list, McJim. We also heard from Minster. Uh, Mac Bites Mondays, another great show and the perfect length for my commute to and from work. Cycling and Mac Bites are made for each other. Just call me Dangerous Dave. Oh, quite, quite. Great show, guys. And, and I think despite us saying, well, this one will only get Minster halfway, it didn't turn out like that, uh, did no. it? Uh, trouble is, he's off work this week. Mm, he might have to wait till he comes back. And anyway, we know something that Minster doesn't know that we know, don't we? We do. In fact, it's emblazoned on my brain for reasons that I will explain. Yes, um, MacBytes Monday, the 19th of September, and it's Minster's birthday! Happy birthday to you! Oh, good grief. No, I'm not singing. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, happy birthday, Minster. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Now, how do I know that it is Minster's birthday? Facebook. Ah, Facebook ratted you up, Minster. Yes, it's on Facebook. So I thought wouldn't want to forget it was Minster's birthday. I know what I'll do. I'll put it in my address book. Under Minster. Big mistake. (laughs) Oh, it was. It was. It was a disaster. I put it in my address book, which obviously should come through to iCal. But I don't use iCal. I use BusyCal. Not a problem. BusyCal syncs with iCal. Same data source. Not a problem. So I put it in there. I didn't think anything more about it until I noticed that Monday, the 19th of September, unusually, as my calendar is usually chock-a-block, there was nothing on the 19th and that included no Minster's birthday. What was happening? So I thought, I'm going to have to shut BusyCal down and go into iCal, which is a crisis in itself. But um, I, I stole myself and in I went and it was there. 
So I checked address book and yep, it was there as well. So I thought, well, obviously something's not synchronising somewhere. So I got out my iPad and I had a look on my iPad. Initially it wasn't there. Then I got my iPhone out. Then I got my second iPad out. Then I tried another Mac. Ever start something and wish you'd not bothered? Yes. I ended up with Minster's birthday in a dress book on one iPad and nowhere else. And then as I'm sat there thinking, what on earth do I do next? Because it was that there was no it wasn't an, an issue of, uh, oh, I know where else I looked. I looked at me.com and it was it was there on me.com in a browser. So. Big crisis. I couldn't upload stuff to me.com. I couldn't pull it down from me.com because it was there. I knew it was there, but it just wasn't showing. So as I'm sat there, it popped onto one iPad and then it popped onto another, but it wasn't on the phone. It took about seven days, I think, and eventually it appeared on all of them. So I took a screenshot just to be sure that it had. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still having problems now. So I'm blaming iCloud. I'm blaming iCloud and hoping that that is the problem and that when iCloud is all sorted, my calendars will be sorted too because it's getting that way I can't rely on them. I, I feel exactly the same. We were we were discussing this yesterday, weren't we, with we were. a number of different calendars. You were putting stuff in and it wasn't coming over to me. The thing is, if, if I put something on my iPad, it does not come through to my computer. It goes up to me.com but it does not come through to the computer. If I then, on the computer, go to the same calendar and add a test event, just add an event and then throw it away, that updates it. It's as if it needs a kickstart. But the problem is, the way I work, I don't just have sort of two calendars. I separate things out so I can turn them on and off. So I have probably, I've just added about three more, so I've probably got about 30 calendars. I, I use them for colour, and so I can turn them on and off. So they're not truly calendars, calendars, like they belong to different people or something. They're just the way I segment things. And it's got that way that you can't rely on it. So I'm literally having to say to myself, you know, if I want to add an event, I'm going to have to email myself and do it on the Mac. Because otherwise I can't guarantee that they are in sync at all. Although mobileme, me.com, seems to be okay. And possibly one or other of the iPads is OK. But there will be some devices that just aren't OK. And unfortunately, one of them's the Mac. It's not sending it back from a mobile device or from me.com to the Mac. And that was the problem that you were having. That's I, right. I actually said to you, BusyCal worked better before. The way BusyCal did it before was it was its own server. So I could publish something, I could change something in BusyCal and instantly it appeared on your desktop whereas now I change it in BusyCal it's got to then upload that to my CalDAV then it's got to send it through to you because it's a shared calendar then your desktop's got to update it so sometimes you can wait five ten minutes that's if it comes through at all. I think that was down to Apple changing things wasn't it? It, it the, Well we had to change completely BusyCal no longer was its own server it's just connected to the CalDAV server which is great in terms of moving from one machine to another as I found but not so great for well if you can't trust it I actually this is how bad things were the minute the map biters will understand this this is how bad things were I actually uttered the phrase maybe I should move my calendars to Google <laughs> 
I think you uttered the phrase, maybe I should use a paper diary as well. No, 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 I didn't go that far. <laughs> Is a paper diary better or worse than Google? Hmm, there's, there's, there's a question to there's consider. A question. But, Minster, I now know that your birthday is the 19th of September and I will never, ever forget it. So it really doesn't matter now. doesn't matter. Although I've actually pushed it through to all my devices. So you're on my calendar, Minster. And we also heard from Jane who said, keep up this pr- podcast production rate, especially the ooh <laughs> sound effect. We have, we have we ooed this week. Are you I, do you know what? I think the mouse mat deserved a new and it didn't get one. Ooh. No, 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 a proper one. So oh, a proper one. This one's for my mouse mat. Ooh. But that's it for this episode of Mac Bites, as we have gone well long. But I'm confident of an early return, kit permitting, as we already have an audio file from the birthday boy himself, Minster, and a ton of feedback about colour pickers from Paul, Alison, John, Vicky and Claire. And they're all recommending different options. So colour pickers return next week. And hopefully an answer to the burning question of the week for Elaine, to lion or not to lion? Don't set me off again. Anyway, we would love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. There's a contact form on the website or you can send us an audio file. How about leaving us a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk? And don't forget to keep sending in your Mac Love Bites. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. I think I've cracked Facebook now. Now Twitter's beaten it into submission. I'm there. No, you've cheated. You've just sent your tweets through. Oh. <laughs> Oh, well, nearly. And uh, you can sign up for the newsletter at mattbytes.co.uk and mattbytes are on Twitter, twitter.com slash mattbytes and you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. You can also sign up for my um, affiliates. No, 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 on, no, on, no, no. We're not uh, doing any of that. So until next time, <laughs> this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you Mattbytes. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time. That was very naughty. <laughs> Very naughty. Sneaked in there around the back. Really? Dropbox affiliate scheme. You should be spanked for that later. Link on the show notes. No. I've only got two gig, you've got about eight. That's not the point.